You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day, pod lovers, podcasters, podlings, and welcome to Behind the Podcast, the podcast that opens the studio doors and takes a peek behind the microphone to tell you, the listener, the producer, the creator, the aficionado, what's happening in the podverse. I'm Jules, and with me, as always, is Stocks. Hello. In this week's episode, who's spending on podcasting ads? We talk about how not to use AI. Pushkin joins the union but falls apart on the inside, and the Daily Wire's beef goes public. Stocks, how are you? I'm well, man. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. You're getting all prepared for a big day today, big night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess big night. The night of nights for Australian podcasting, yes. Do you reckon it's going to be a star-studded affair? A bit of a spot check around the industry, see who's turning up, who's wearing what, make sure there's no clashes? You know what? I've already given some advice out to um, a few people in the industry, not working in our organization, who are um, about what to wear and giving them advice. That, should I wear this one or should I wear this one? So, a little bit of sartorial advice and you shouldn't be asking me. If you're asking me, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> I was going to say, um, could this be a new podcast opportunity for you, Stocks? Just a, a, a sartorial coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, short-lived business, I dare say. <laughs> And look, just to put this all in perspective, I wore shorts to the Podcast Awards last year, so it's a bit rinky-dink. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's not rinky-dink. This is Australia's media publication, Mumbrella, and they have written an article talking about who the big spenders are in advertising and podcasting. Yeah, this is pretty cool. So, uh, Mumbrella, basically with ARN's iHeart, who are the sponsor of the Podcast Awards, and Magellan AI, who's big sort of US-based data company have revealed the top 15 advertisers on Australians' podcasts. And the report used AI to analyze thousands of episodes from over 400 of Australia's most popular podcasts. So we did have a story similar to this probably a few months back, but it wasn't talking about Australia specifically. So it is great to see what the Australian version of this is, actually. Yeah, and the period covered by this is the third quarter of 2023, so July, August, September. So it's very recent. And the Incredible news is it shows a massive 88% increase in year-on-year spend across Australian podcasting. Yeah, that's hugely promising stuff. I mean, despite what a lot of the naysayers say and a lot of the clickbait you know, articles that come up about the death of podcasting, it's becoming a very, very attractive place for, for advertising. The haters going to hate, Jules. Yes, so Taylor says. Um, so some of the titles here, so anyone in particular that you've come across or had experience with? Amazon. Um, Look, we just did our own, we got our own quarterly report from our partner and Amazon and Audible were our two top advertisers for the last quarter. So Amazon is the number one podcast advertiser in Australia right now. BetterHelp, number two. Takeaway.com group. MacBank. MacBank has been smashing the ads out and then Mm. Airbnb, who we've done a lot of work with as well. Yeah. I think like um, financial institutions like MacBank, I've been hearing a few more of these on little business podcasts and things like this that I've been listening to. And I think it really does, again, speak to that real niche audience. I mean, if you are offering a service like that or you're a financial institution, either you, you do the print, you do the big AFR and that sort of thing, or you know, where else are a lot of people getting all of their news? I mean, it seems like it is a bit more of a limited field where you can get right to people who, who might be you know, more high net worth, for instance. 
Yeah, and look, anyone who's been running around CBDs of Australia recently, there's been a massive MacBank outdoor campaign on bus stops mm-hmm. and billboards. And our friend of the podcast, Jay Oi, of Shoes Off fame and multiple Australian podcast awards, is featured on one of these billboards. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I swatted him the other day down on Bridge Street in Sydney, and I was like, that's Jay Oi. I hit him <laughs> up, and he goes, they wanted real people in the advertising campaign, and my friend was doing it, and they got me in. It's like, ah, oh, you're a good-looking guy, man. But he goes, it's everywhere. I can't believe it. I'm just getting sent this all the time. And I mean, for a podcaster who is very successful, not a lot of people know what you look like. So I think yeah. he's a bit, um, bit out of his comfort zone. Yeah, they, and then people might not draw the uh, make the connection just based on the ad. But I mean, look, they do a ton of ad- advertising on social media as well. So they, they're clearly trying out some different places for, for advertising. Well, with their share price and their profitability right now, um, uh, yeah, they've got money to burn. Yeah. Uh, the biggest increase for categories in terms of advertising year on year was uh, family and kids is up 673% year on yeah. year. Science is up 493%. Sports up 133%. Watch that go through the floor when they get rid of the betting. And history is up 122%. So, give you some data on where you should be making your next podcast. Uh, there it is, kids and family. Yeah, totally. Well, I've got two kids and I've got a family, so maybe it's time that we talk about my show that I've been sort of trying to work on in the background stocks. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I don't, so I'm out. <laughs> so, Mumbrella's done a great job with the AI here getting through all of those shows to understand where the spenders are. You know, on the other end of the AI usage spectrum, Good Pods, uh, this podcasting platform. I don't know if you know much about them. Yep, I know Good Pods. Uh, anyone who's got a podcast and has that email address attached to said podcast would have received an email from the good people at Good Pods saying, hey, you should jump on our platform. You should use our player. We get this all this incredible data, etc., etc., etc. So they're one of those ones that, you just get trolled with endless emails uh, if yeah. you do have your email attached to a podcast. Well, no doubt that email was written by some sort of AI tool because it seems like what they've done on their website, all of the shows that are actually on their platform, they've gone through and they've done AI-generated descriptions of each of these, right? So, I mean, you know, who cares, really? That's not that big a story, except for the fact that there doesn't seem to have been much quality control uh, that's gone on in some of these descriptions, and most of them are pretty benign. I mean, you know... the most of what you would expect to be in the descriptions is probably there. But there have been a couple of shockers. So like PJ Vought's show Search Engine, we talked about in our kind of end of year wraps. Um, I absolutely love this show. They've got that listed as being about trends in SEO, which it 100% is not. (laughs) But much more nefarious, uh, there's a show on there which is focused about violence against women and sexual assault. And not to kind of make light of this, but this one was listed as a love and dating advice show. So they've clearly got a couple of these wrong and some people who make these shows might not be too happy about the way that they're being presented. Anyway, needless to say, these descriptions were up for a very short amount of time and have been since removed. So I think if you are going to rely on these sorts of tools, maybe just double check before you publish. Maybe don't use ChatGP2, use ChatGPT4 because of where that all cuts off. There's another example of that of Netflix. I've noticed on multiple Netflix accounts that it has the Green Book as a comedy. So award-winning film, The Green Book, which is about... <laughs> Uh, well, it touches on, say, hectic racism in, in the South 
um, of the US in the late 50s, early yep. 60s. White people solving racism. Yeah, look, there's controversy around that whole film and whitewashing <laughs> and all that stuff. But let's not get into that. The fact is, it's not a comedy. It's not even an intended comedy or an unintended comedy. There's nothing comedic <laughs> about it. There is violence. There is racism. A romp. So even Netflix has got it wrong. It's not a romp. No, no. And it's not, it's not a buddy road trip. Well, AI, still, uh, yeah, still not coming to save the world just. <laughs> Someone who we did think might save the world at one point, though, um, old Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, we've spoken about this guy from time to time. Absolutely love him. I mean, he's got you know, just such a beautiful voice and, and all of the books and everything that he's written in the past are stunning and, and you know, really well-researched, really well-written. He, like many others, has started a podcasting business, Pushkin. This has been in the news quite a bit um, recently. They've had you know a ton of layoffs as have a lot of organizations over in the States there, but this one in particular, you know, it just seems to be having more and more problems. Yeah, it's been, look, it's been a tough run for Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, he was absolutely humiliated at um, a recent monk debate uh, to the point where he basically has gone on, made an apology and has made a whole big thing about this and he's gone and made content about Malcolm goes to debate school and the premise <laughs> being, what do you do? This is on Pushkin's website. What do you do yeah, yeah. after you've been humiliated at the monk debates? You call in the A-team. <laughs> so, uh, look, it's been a tough run for Malcolm. Losing a bit of his gloss as being smart guy, always yeah. right guy. Pushkin's in a bit of curry, it would seem. Yeah, so off the back of that, I mean, it seems like there's also a bit of trouble with his co-founder um, at, over at Pushkin, Jacob Weisberg, um, who seems to be making some interesting decisions, really. Weisberg's had to step down. They're co-founders, they're good mates. Pushkin's been um, in a lot of trouble navigating the sort of perilous financial headwinds which have beset not really the industry. I mean, I think we touched on this before. It's more there, there are major financial headwinds in the US in particular, more than there are so in, say, the UK and in, in Australia. Um, so I think that's a big factor is just, just the headwinds over there. Yeah, and and I think there's you know there's been a few decisions that have been made there. It seems like which have have you know, been questionable, really, where, in terms of the kind of podcast and hosts that they want to sign and try to sign and don't sign. Yeah, look, Pushkin has had massive layoffs. Thirty percent of its staff, including C-suite executives, as recently as September, Weisberg announced he was stepping down from his role as CEO, moving into executive chair. He's been replaced. Um, the latest thing that's happened here is the workers have formed a union. Basically, producers, editors, engineers at the company uh, have, have unionized, and it's been recognized, and here we go. They're joining many other organizations in the space, including Gimlet Media, The Ringer, Parcast, Pineapple Street Studios, Crooked Media, and iHeart Podcast Network. Mm. But you did touch on these questionable decisions. Look, as, as this unionization has happened, there's been some media around it and some of the staffers have spoken to people pointing a finger at Weisberg's handling of the business. Yeah. I think like really, you know, if, you, if you're running a, a podcasting business as you do, Stocks and, and anyone else out there, you're probably really trying to get as good a talent as you can. And I think the decision about who you sign over other people um, is probably pretty critical and, and there's a lot of, no doubt, your data and, and money talk that goes into those sorts of decisions. But Weisberg um, over at Pushkin seems to have been you know, siding with mates a bit more and, and signing people on who might not necessarily have the, uh, the audience that Pushkin desperately needs at these times. Seems like this, a couple of staff who spoke to the confider have said that they were um, 
disappointed that he that they didn't sign Julia Louise Dreyfus when she was on the market earlier this year. Apparently, Weisberg had made a significant offer to the Seinfeld star, but she took a podcast elsewhere. I mean, I think this is really unfair criticism. I think the star of, of revisionist history is Malcolm Gladwell, and yeah. he's the thread that ties everything together. And then he's curating everything else you get, and you're getting that Malcolm Gladwell experience at scale. Now, whether you can scale to the point that Pushkin has – I think that that's that's maybe where their business plan is a little bit flawed. Mm. Their business was never about creating. It's always been about creating these really cool, really interesting pieces of content, really rich content, but it's all short series. And that's actually really hard to monetize. So mm. I think their business plan's flawed. I don't think it's sugar hit like signing Julia Louise Dreyfus, who would have been at least a seven or eight figure contract to have got her and Lemonade Media got her. I don't think that's actually the sugar hit that's actually going to save your business because you're not that type of podcast network and not that type of organization. This is naivety of the people who work in the business to go, oh, if we'd have signed her, we'd have been fine. I don't mm. think so. And I don't think that podcast has been a massive commercial success. It's targeting over 70s. I mean, we've just seen the latest advertising information and it's not over 70s not who, who where the money is at. It's kids and families up 670%. Um, science is up 500%. Sports is up. Like over 70s is not up. So I don't know if signing Julia Louise Dreyfus is actually going to be the sugar hit you think to save your company. It's fair enough. This is coming from people who, who may understand a creative process but not the financial side of the business. And I think from personally for mine is the business model of Pushkin is not – the right model to scale out to the way they've tried to scale. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's got to stay as a sort of niche network doing five or six really good podcasts, really rich ones. It's not uh, big celebrity names. That's not their niche. So that's my take on this. So an attempt for a bit of revisionist history there in, in you know, decision-making along the way, perhaps. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, interesting as well, while we're on the topic of of unionization, the podcast Workers Australia um, has published a freelance podcast rate card. So this is giving a set of recommendations for rates for freelancers working in Australian podcasting. In principle, this is a great idea. Uh, we looked at this last week along with my business partners and we had a chuckle at how ridiculously cheap these rates were. We're like, oh, we should sign, we'd sign this straight away. It's yeah. too low. Also, we looked at all the people attached to it and none of the big names and I've had a past in union organizing and uh, helping union movements grow digitally and this is not how you do it. This isn't going to work the way they're doing it. You need big names. It's like anything. Look at a sports union, look at a trade union, whatever it is. You need the big names to come in. Yep. Who have the power. Yep. Yeah. This, this will not move the needle. They've got the list of names of people assigned to it. There's not a single name that you recognize in the world of podcasting unless you're a massive insider. So, I mean, it's the type of thing we could lend our name to, um, but we, we reached out to them and got no response. So, <laughs> yeah, this has got to sort of change its tact if they want this to be successful. You, it, unfortunately, you need some of the bigger names. Like you need an Abby Chatfield or Hamish Blake, people like this to come along and say, hey, this is, this is what I want. Yeah. Um, or yeah. a couple of the big organizations to say we're endorsing this, and that is not happening right now. Good idea, but the execution's lacking. Yeah, well, it's a start. This could be the first rock, but it's a long way from actually becoming something. Tangentially to this as well, uh, we've been advertising for a position in Melbourne for a podcast producer, and the caliber of people we've got applying for this job is ridiculous. It's a real testament to, I think a lot of people would love to work in podcasting full-time. It's been ridiculous. We've had 
7.30 reporters come through us for the job. We've had people with just too much, way too much experience for what, what we need and they all just want to work in a podcasting production role. Yeah, wow. So it's it's very interesting out there as well. I guess that's something to kind of go against what's happening here. These are freelancers. There's never been a higher interest in people wanting to work in the podcast industry. I mean, I wish we had a bigger business because there's five, five, six, seven, eight people we've seen that we would just have hired on the spot if we were of that scale. So it's a very interesting time for what's going on out there. Uh, and it's a very interesting time these workers sort of trying to unite. That would be my one thing, I guess, to say to them is you're not pushing very hard right now, but don't get too bullshit here because there's, unfortunately, there's thousands of people who will just come in behind and do the job for less than you. Yeah, sure. All right, so we've got an interesting one that's been covered um, via The Verge, but it's all about The Daily Wire. Um, so The Daily Wire is a conservative media outlet, which was founded by Ben Shapiro. I think what they've tried to do here is go down a similar path as essentially like Fox News and really cater to the conservative audiences and, and with right-wing you know, leanings. What they've done is they've gone out and they've really gone after some big uh, conservative talent, hired Tucker Carlson, Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens as well. Can you tell me a bit about Candace Owens? In American media, the assumption is, rightly or wrongly, that you know a lot of uh, black Americans go, uh, tend to be Democratic voters and follow that sort of left wing, uh, you know, having not really been served by the conservatives or the right wing, you know, Republicans generally. I mean, this is changing a lot, and there's quite a bit of data recently showing that a lot of the a lot of um, black and Latinos in America are, are tending to go more towards the Republican Party now as opposed to the Democrats in recent times. Maybe that's a bit about Biden. Maybe that's a bit about Trump. Maybe that's a bit about just kind of the state of the world. So Candace Owens, African-American? Yeah, and young lady, attractive lady. She really was one of the first people to kind of come out and go against the norm of, of what people would expect. Um, and she was quite critical about a lot of you know Democratic uh, leaders, a lot of, a lot of left-wing causes, even just things like, you know, the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. It's like all these sorts of things where you sort of thought these kind of had unanimous support. And she's made a real name for herself. Is she the Blue Lives Matter angle? Yeah, I think she's highly on that on that sort of tilt. I mean, Blue Man Group is really I should should get some love. The Blue Man Group should. I mean, they're drumming. It's not the drums of war that probably that they're anticipating with these kind of <laughs> associations. They spend so much time in makeup every day. Like, yeah. got to respect the craft. What they're doing to their skin follicles. <laughs> but yeah, so she kind of went out there and. and and stood alone as this as this kind of figure, got a ton of popularity, really was someone that, that, that people pointed to to say, like, see, not everyone believes the same sort of thing, right? So, you know, th- there's no problem with that. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions. And this is interesting because in this signing, her and Shapiro have, have a bit of a beef about their coverage of the Israel and Hamas uh, situation. Oh, good. Yeah, nothing better than that to fight about. Shapiro has done some good things. He's called Owens disgraceful as he's implying that Shapiro is serving money instead of God. Shapiro's name sounds like he might be on the Israeli side of things. And it's just, I mean, it's interesting in these sorts of things. Like the conservative media has generally been united against woke culture, right? And that's something that they've all been able to agree on. It's been a pretty united front. Whereas something like this or even, you know, COVID-19 has formed a bit of a wedge in, in certain aspects of the media and, and certainly not something that they're finding it too easy to agree on. Yeah, you can't just put a line down one side on this and the other. This is just 
2,000 years of horrible history, really. So Owens was critical of Israel, particularly in wake of the October 7 attacks by Hamas, and her stance has drawn criticism from Shapiro, who is obviously a strong supporter of Israel. He's publicly scolded her for her tweets, which he describes as garbage, called her disgraceful, and criticised her faux sophistication on the issue of Israel. And it all escalated with Shapiro suggesting Owen should quit the Daily Wire if she felt that taking money from the organization somehow came between her and God. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the one thing they've got in common, right? Like, I may have different views on Israel, different colored skin, different gender, but if you're a conservative media pundit, you've always got God. Yeah, God and money. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's always interesting just seeing these sorts of things, which you wouldn't usually expect to be kind of handled behind closed doors, and particularly if you're running a media organisation. Right? <laughs> yeah, having this spill into the into the public is just crazy stuff. Yeah, so Owen shot back by calling Shapiro emotionally unhinged and unprofessional. Boom! <laughs> Some hard this is great stuff going on here. No, almost worth tuning in. I mean, they're trying to build the digital Fox News, um, yeah. which seems like a very smart play. I'm sure there's a ton of money behind Shapiro to do this. Mm-hmm. Keen to watch this unravel. Absolutely. And we'll see who breaks first. Well, that's us for another week, Jules. That's it, mate. Uh, it's great to see you again. Are you going to go do like a couple laps of Loch Ness, butterfly style? Or what are you going to, what's it going? I'll be down there. I think I've been going down in my little speedos and everything, much to the uh, dismay of the of the locals in this area. So I've been asked if I can please cover up and even just move into a pool where there aren't so many unwilling bystanders around. Well, I might send you some Batuta budgies then and you can rock I'd love them. that. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> Say hi to Nessie for me. See you, mate.